Good morning. Whether you are joining us online or here in the sanctuary, welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin, Texas. We are a spiritual community dedicated to a free and and responsible search for truth, meaning, and beauty. I'm the Reverend Michelle Legrave, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm the co-lead interim minister here, and it is a joy to be with all of you today. I especially want to welcome you if you are new to the church, if you are joining us remotely, and if you can, please say hello in the comments and let us know from where you are joining the service. Whoever you are, wherever you come from, Wherever you find yourself on your life's journey, whichever your pronouns, whether you've walked in or rolled in or dialed in, whomever you love, you are welcome here. You belong here. We come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person. It's in this tradition this living tradition, that I invite you to greet the holy among us, either in the comments or by turning to those around you. Now let us greet each other. Good morning. I'm Ann Edwards, your lay leader today. And I want to um, invite you to join together for the chalice sliding. It's different this morning, and it's in your order of service. These are words written by Melanie Davis from the UUA. Among other of her jobs, she's a trainer for the OWL program, which we have here at church. She writes, Under the right circumstances, playing around the fire is a delight. Imagine being gathered around a fire pit as the crackling flames invite us to sing, dance, and roast a marshmallow or two. Our chalice also invites us to play, although with ideas rather than with marshmallows. The flame encourages us to explore who we are, who our neighbors are, and where we are on our spiritual journeys. Today, We light this chalice in the spirit of play. Let us trust the light to guide us in this hour and in the days to come, finding joy along the way. Our call to worship is written by Cheryl Woodbury. She is a UUA minister in Omaha. Let us enter this sacred sanctuary the way a soft infant enters the bright world, squinting in wonder, holding to another, taking it all in. Let us open all our senses and let our synapses spark one connection after another as we make sense of the world and find joy with each other and follow the instinct to play.
One of the things that binds First UU together as a religious community is that the congregation has a common purpose. For First UU Church of Austin, that common purpose is the mission. The congregation wrote it together and put it up on the wall right here in the sanctuary. Every Sunday, church participants say it together so that we may more readily carry it with us in our hearts throughout the week. Let us say it together now. Together we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Well, I am delighted to be reading next excerpts from Robert Fulgham. Now, many of you will remember his work because over the years, Paradox Players, which was the church's theater, uh, mounted two productions that he, uh, he had written. His work was transcribed into scripts for uh, the stage. Uh, we performed All I Ever, All I Need to Know, I Learned in Kindergarten, and also, Uh-Oh, Here Comes Christmas. Now, these are excerpts from his work, What on Earth Have I Done? Player. Definition. Persons with enough nimbleness of mind to accept a surprise invitation to jump into a quick game of imagination. People with a loosey-goosey sense of mischief. Players are also laughers. And you can't tell the players by the way they appear on the outside. Example. Here's a uniformed city bus driver standing at the door of his vehicle, staring into the rain. An invitation from me. Okay, here's the deal. I'll pay for the gas, and you'll drive us to California, to the beach at Santa Monica. With a straight face, he says, Okay, meet me here at midnight. It's the end of my run, and they won't miss me or the bus until morning. I'll buy some barbecue. He smiles. A player. Now, consider this lady with a shopping cart full of oddball stuff standing beside me in front of the cheese counter at the grocery store. My invitation. Say, I like the groceries in your cart better than mine. Want to trade? <laughs> you take mine and I'll take yours. Could be interesting when we get home. She smiles. Checks out my cart. You've got a deal, she says. We take each other's carts and roll away. Later, she is waiting for me at the checkout counter. She knows and I know. We weren't really going to go through with it. But those moments of madness brought new meaning to going to the store for a few things. And the lady knows the game. A player. On the other hand, there's a tailor shop on Queen Anne Avenue. Sign in the window says, Alterations and repairs for men and women. The tailor is standing in the doorway. I stop. Say, I'd like to get altered and repaired, I say. 
She looks at me cautiously, goes inside, closes the door. Not a player. More from Robert Fulgham. Here's me again at a well-known company to pick up copies of a manuscript. I am visibly annoyed. This is my third trip to get what was promised yesterday. The anxious clerk, Miss Saucer Eyes, is obviously new to the herd behind the counter and doesn't know what to do with me or for me. The work is still not done, despite promises. Getting mad won't help. Okay, I won't make any trouble, I say. Just give me a really clever, off-the-wall, creative excuse. The wildest thing you can think of, and I'll go away. Miss Saucer Eyes is mute. This situation was not covered in training school last week. I'll speak to my manager. Definitely not a player. But the story continues. Miss Saucer Eyes retreats to the back of the shop and consults with her boss, a high-energy, sharply-dressed woman who marches briskly toward me with a steely look. She leans over the counter and explains... Sir, you may not know this, but this door has been a front for the Irish Republican Army for years. <laughs> We're supposed to be turning in our firearms, and it seems that a bazooka is missing from the inventory. When we find the bazooka, things will get back to normal. If I were you, I wouldn't make any trouble. Just come back tomorrow, okay? a big league player. <laughs> a garbage man in front of a, in charge of a monster truck. Lousy day, cold, rain, but he's a player. This time the invitation comes from him. As I pass by, he says, hey, you look prosperous. Thank you, I feel prosperous. You look like a man who might have some frequent flyer miles. As a matter of fact, I do. Lots of them. Listen, I need enough to get me to Buenos Aires. One way. I've got enough. They're yours. But what's in it for me? Take the keys to this garbage truck. <laughs> it's yours. Even trade. Yes! <laughs> I've long had an urge to drive one of those things. I'd like to dump a load of garbage in a certain person's front yard. <laughs> it's a deal. You've got a license to drive a truck? Well, no. Deal's off. I can't be part of anything illegal, but no problem. Get a license. I'm here every Monday. As he drives off, I wonder how many other people on his route get offers from him every day. He has all the nervy characteristics of a nonstop, all-day player. 
One final example. A double whammy I didn't see coming. Clerk in a bookstore, older lady with dyed red hair. Can I help you? She asks. Happy birthday, I say. Always makes people smile. Sometimes you're early, sometimes late, but sometimes you're right on. (laughs) An invitation to play. Well, I hope you're coming to my party, she says. We need someone to jump out of a cake. (laughs) I'm your man. You'd be expected to go-go dance naked. (laughs) Then I'm not your man. My mistake. I thought you looked a little kinky. A player. A lady waiting in line behind me overheard this bookstore babble and drifted away from the counter and out the door. She missed her chance. Probably not a player. Later, as I walked by a sidewalk table at a nearby coffee house, I spot the lady who fled the store. Sorry, hope we didn't annoy you, I said. She smiled. Oh, no. She replied, it's just that I jumped out of the cake last year. (laughs) It hurts my feelings to think they're looking for a replacement. (laughs) A player after all. This morning, I'm going to talk about our time for silence in a slightly different way. Many years ago, and right before I headed off to seminary, I took a music class on Star Island. One of the first exercises the instructor asked the class to do was to close our eyes and listen to all of the ambient sounds in our environment, which he called the soundscape. He was, by the way, the keyboardist for (laughs) Meatloaf. Similarly, one of the composers for today's music, John Cage, hat tip to Brent, who is well known for his quotes on music, and especially for his work on the topic of silence, had this to say, there is no such thing as an empty space or an empty time. There is always something to see, something to hear. In fact, try as we may to make a silence, we cannot. And whether I make them or not, there are always sounds to be heard, and all of them are excellent. So with these thoughts in mind, I invite you into our time of shared meditation. This is the time in our service when we center ourselves together. We breathe together. And breathing together, we sense one another's loving presence. Breathing in and breathing out, we follow our breath to a deeper place inside a place of greater wisdom, a place where a spark of the divine resides within each of us. 
Breathing together, listening together, we approach a time of shared silence. Close your eyes, if you will, and listen to the sounds of the sacred soundscape. The breaths coming in and out, the creaking of the pews, the shuffling of the feet, the sounds of babies, the singing of birds. Whatever it is you may hear, it is all sacred. It is all excellent. I invite you now to light a candle if you are so moved. Candles representing sorrow, joy, hope, remembrance, resilience. Whatever it is you need to honor during this time. As we light candles, I invite you to keep in your mind and heart members of our community who are ill or in sorrow and those who are celebrating joys. Let us hold the silence together throughout this meditative time.
And now we light one last candle for all those for whom there is no one to light a candle. In our readings this morning, Robert Fulgham is essentially asking each of the people he encounters, are you a player? This is a not inconsequential question. Are you? Or you, are you, or you, or you, are you a player? Several Christmases ago, I got my spouse Micah a game he'd been wanting for a long time. It's called Forbidden Island, and the game is about retrieving four treasures from different parts of the island and then getting off the island before it floods. Micah was reading the directions aloud, and while I understood the object of the game easily enough, I couldn't quite see how the rules I was hearing would align with a strategy until I heard Micah say, we have to work together. Oh. Oh. Then it made sense. It was a cooperative game. I had been listening with the assumption that it was yet another competitive game. But this time, we would win or lose together. As it turns out, the game of Forbidden Island is much like the game of real life. We have to work together to get anywhere we really want to go. For a long time, people believed that evolution was primarily a matter of survival of the fittest, the ultimate in competitive games. More recently, anthropologists have come to understand the essential role that cooperation plays in evolution. Humans were and are able to evolve in the ways we do because we cooperate in meeting common goals. The strategy for the game of real life is cooperation. And this is important because, as Peter Gray, a psychology professor at Boston College, says, play primarily evolved to teach children of all kinds of skills, and its extension into adulthood may have helped to build cooperation and sharing among hunter-gatherers before that level would naturally exist in dominance-seeking species. In other words, not only is cooperation essential to the path of human evolution, but play is what helps us learn cooperation. Play has other benefits as well. Lisa Barnett, a professor at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, says we play because it is therapeutic. In the work environment, play speeds up learning, increases productivity, and improves job satisfaction. While at home, play helps with bonding and communication. She says that playful adults have better coping skills. While they feel the same stressors as everyone else, they experience and react to these stressors differently. Playful adults can transform stressful situations into something entertaining, 
which then allows stressors to roll off more easily than those who are less playful. The late Edwin Friedman, rabbi, family therapist, congregational consultant, and author of what is pretty much the Bible of congregational systems theory, said that a major criterion for judging the anxiety level of any congregation is the loss of its capacity to be playful. In other words, playfulness and the ability to be playful is an essential attribute of a healthier congregation or family or individual. And, by the way, a bunch of years ago, I... (laughs) This is true. I chose my next interim congregation by the fact that they were the only congregation that year to make jokes in their congregational record. (laughs) It was a great congregation. I had a wonderful time there. And so the question remains, are you a player? Fulgham gave us a definition of a player as a person with enough nimbleness of mind to accept a surprise invitation to jump into a quick game of imagination, a person with a loosey-goosey sense of mischief. I'm guessing that some of you may have noticed some mischief going on around here the last month or two with miniature versions of some of the staff popping up here and there. In case you missed it, here's some photographic evidence. This is Reverend Chris (laughs) in his office with all his favorite ways of playing, including um, a sign for his theater department and the ability to go hiking and taking photography in nature. And next we have Shannon. I think we have Shannon coming. There she is. Shannon is our executive director here, and there she is with Emery. Um, Her little, these are all dollscapes um, with Barbie doll-sized dolls and uh, uh, accessories. She's got her bike so she can go biking, which Shannon loves to do, as well as maps for hiking and camping and backpacks. There are little reptiles for Emery to play with because that's one of her favorite things to find out in nature. And here we have Kelly (laughs) getting ready to read a story to some kids (laughs) with a cat. She loves cats and a great big chalice. And uh, she also likes going out hiking and swimming and being in nature. And there's a big bookshelf filled with books behind her. Next, we have Brent. (laughs) Portrayed in his little playground over here. Um, playing guitar with a a jacket over a stool and a little speaker amp, as well as a cat. He also has, he's also a big fan for cats and loves to play around with music. Next we have Sasha. She is 
at the front uh, desk when you first come in the church. Um, she's an administrator here, and she loves to be outdoors. She loves to paint. She loves to take do photography. Um, she loves to ride horses. All of this is portrayed in the picture of her as a, the doll version. Next we have Kinsey, <laughs> who, as you can see, um, loves to eat pizza. There's a um, <laughs> brick oven pizza there. <laughs> she is the uh, assistant for our religious education here, and she also works with membership. There are some of her favorite foods and drinks and things um, pictured with her. Next we have Aubrey, who is portrayed in the kitchen with a refrigerator and pantry and a menu saying that everything is made with love, lots of food around. She loves to cook. She also loves fantasy and ren fairs, and I think there's like a little dragon or a couple things like that in there. I can't actually see the slides myself very well. So. Next we have the last one. That's Reverend Chris with me. And we are in our matching black gowns, pulpit gowns, and rainbow stoles. He has his arms up in benediction, and I am uh, holding a hymnal and next to my uh, previous service dog, Bella. Of course, Robert Fulgham is not the only person to try to define what a player is. According to researchers who published a study in the journal Personality and Individual Differences, there are four types of playful adults. Those who outwardly enjoy fooling around with friends, colleagues, relatives, and acquaintances, those who are generally lighthearted and not preoccupied by the future consequences of their behavior doesn't mean they don't care. They're just not preoccupied by it. That's an important distinction there. <laughs> those who play with thoughts and ideas and those who are whimsical, exhibiting interest in strange and unusual things and are amused by small everyday observations. I think we'll put Robert Fulgham right there in that last category. Or with a hat tip to Kelly Stokes, who is the religious educator here and brought this back from the last Lareda conference, we can think about these eight play personalities as identified by a researcher named Stuart Brown. So let's try to have a little fun with this. I'll describe the play personality, and then whoever feels like they have that personality can raise their hand. You can look around and see uh, who likes to play in which ways. And you can raise your hand as many times as you like. You are not limited to only one personality here. The Joker. Play revolves around silliness and making others laugh. Jokers tend to be the class clown in school and may engage in play through telling jokes, doing funny impersonations, or playing practical jokes. Do we have any jokers in here? Yeah, we've got some. 
Okay. Some verbal play. The kinesthete plays through movement. They experience pleasure in movement and feeling the result of physically pushing their bodies. While this category may include athletes, competition is not the main focus in this personality. The joy of engaging in the activity takes precedence. The kinesthete's play might take the form of running, dancing, sports, yoga, swimming, hiking, or walking. Any kinesthetes in here? Oh, we got a bunch of those. All right. Okay. The explorer is enthusiastic about and engages in play by exploring the world around them. The explorer's play can be physical, going to new places, emotional, search for a deepening of emotion through music, art, or movement, or mental, researching a new area of interest or reading a book. (laughs) People who like to move from church to church and all across the country. (laughs) The competitor engages in play through competitive games with specific rules and enjoys the thrill of winning. The games can be solitary, such as trying to beat his or her top score or their top score in a video games, or social, such as competing in a team sport. Competitors may also play through observing and being a fan of competitive sports. A couple important points there. If it was team-oriented, I would say I'm not very competitive. But solitary, trying to beat my own spider solitaire score? Sure. Um, And also that it can be um, accomplished through observing sports, like the Super Bowl, right? So how many competitors are out there? Yeah, we've got some of those. All right. The director engages in play through planning and executing events. They are the organizers of the social world and maybe instigators of a weekend up north or throwing a party. Directors may be active in creating a Facebook group or organizing a meetup. Any directors in here? You got some? All right. Good. The collector plays through engaging and seeking and holding on to the most best and interesting collection of objects or experiences. They're experiencing bliss in finding a new piece or experience, organizing or showing off their collection. The collector may be interested in coins, purses, shoes, cars, or photographs. The possibilities are endless. Any collectors out there? I never used to be, and then the pandemic happened. That's where all the doll stuff came from. The pandemic. (laughs) The artist-creator plays through creating and making things. The artist-creator may engage in drawing, building, or sculpting, painting, singing, knitting, gardening, woodworking, or any number of creative endeavors, like putting together a worship service. The artist-creator may also take joy in fixing or making something work, like taking apart a broken item 
cleaning and replacing parts and putting it back together again. Any artist creator types? Yeah. The storyteller engages in play through adventure into the imagination. They may enjoy reading novels, writing, or watching movies and theater. Storytellers enjoy being immersed in a story, experiencing the thoughts, experiencing the thoughts and emotions of characters in the stories. Anybody stay up too late reading <laughs> at night? <laughs> So that was fun. Thank you for playing with me for a moment, playing along with me for a moment. So why does it matter? Why does it matter whether we play or are playful in church? In addition to keeping levels of anxiety down and the church system healthier, there are probably many, many reasons why play matters, but I'm just going to suggest two for now. One is that in our playfulness, we turn toward each other as play partners. We turn toward each other. We become less self-absorbed and more community-oriented. In order to play with each other or play off each other, we need to pay attention to each other and how our wants, needs, hopes, dreams, ideas, personalities, and even our cultures differ. Some examples are the way music gets, in, gets uh, played here in worship. I'm sure you've all seen Brent um, looking over at Benji and nodding or directing the choir. They play off, they're not just playing music, they're playing off of each other in that way, in those interactions. They're very tuned into each other and what um, each person is doing. That's how musicians especially manage to do improv and little solos in the middle of a thing. You have to be really in tune with the people you're playing with. I didn't mean that as a pun, but yeah, okay. <laughs> Another example is the way the staff or maybe the ministry teams in the church work together. We get together, and together we become more creative because we share our ideas. We build off each other. One person has an idea. Another person uh, brings in a toy piano. <laughs> <laughs> and we go back and forth, and in the end, it all comes out better than it would have been with just one person. Play can also support us, and this is really important to me, really close to my heart. Play can also support us in meeting our goal of becoming more radically welcome. If we're paying attention to each other, once we know each other, understand each other, care about each other, and our needs and ideas and hopes and dreams and cultures, then we can help to meet those needs. We can better meet them, meet each other where we're actually at, instead of focusing on what it is that I need out of church or what it is that I need out of music or I need out of being a staff person here. 
we pay attention to what each other needs. My best, you know, I was going to say this for another sermon, but I'm going to tell it now. My favorite story about this is in the congregation where I was a member before I went off to seminary, we had a hymn sing every summer. And uh, people would just call out in the middle of the worship service the name of the hymn, and then the pianist would leap right in, turn the page, leap right in and play it. We'd all sing together, lots of joy, lots of happiness. And then all of a sudden, somebody called out a certain hymn number. We all turned our hymnals. The song was, Jesus Christ is risen today. (laughs) And you could feel this sort of pause in the room (laughs) while everyone sort of processed that. Number one, that it was in our hymnal, which most people didn't realize. And number two, that someone in our very humanist-oriented congregation wanted to sing it. And you know what happened next? The pianist left in. The entire congregation left in. They sang it with joy and happiness. And they did it because they knew that's what that one person needed that day. They did it for that one person. And it didn't matter how many people didn't like it or didn't believe it. It was a way of supporting each other in our spiritual growth. It's a way of playing, playing with each other. Another possibility relates to the work of faith formation. We have covenanted to encourage one another to spiritual growth. In order to be theologically or philosophically flexible, we need to be able to be both creative and open to change with our ideas. For some of us, this aligns with process theology specifically. God, or love, or that which we consider most ultimate, is continually in process, and so are we. Being playful helps us to be more flexible. In the end, it doesn't really matter what kind of player you are, just that you play and play often. And if you are not a player or not much of a player, know that you can learn to play or learn to play differently. I witnessed this a few weeks ago with Micah. We went before Christmas to the post office to mail off some packages, and the clerk left into her usual thing about, is there anything liquid, fragile, hazardous, whatever that whole spiel is. And Micah, very quietly, not even looking up at the clerk, said, I only send those packages on Wednesdays. (laughs) Which is not Micah at all. (laughs) And then she, also very quietly, without really working, looking at him, said, Oh, good. I'm off on Wednesday. <laughs> Today is the first Sunday we have gathered all together since the start of the new year. Last week, you ritually let go of those things you wished to leave in the past with their burning bowl service led by Bis. Now it is time to choose what you would like to take up in the new year. I invite you to consider taking up play. The interim period can be a stressful time. Learning to play together or how to play together better can relieve some of the stress and anxiety 
in any transition, including an interim ministry. Plus, it's fun. And who doesn't want to have more fun? The only question remaining is, are you a player? Amen and blessed be. Now let's say together the words for extinguishing the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we're together again. As you venture into the new year, may you find a nimbleness of mind and spirit. May much love and laughter await you. And may all that is good hold you and keep you. Amen and blessed be. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.